This is Dina Marie Hale, host of Voice of the Shepherd, with a Morning Blend Saint moment on Mater Dei Radio. The annual week of prayer for Christian unity concludes on the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul the Apostle, January 25th. Well, what lessons can we glean from a once violent persecutor of Christians turned apostle for Christ? With me to discuss the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul and that impact on our lives today is Father James Kubicki. Father James, thanks for coming back and helping us reflect on the saints and our Catholic faith. Oh, you're very welcome, Dina Marie. Well, this feast day is interesting because most of the time we look at a saint. So, you know, St. Aloysius, St. Anthony of the Desert, but this is a feast of St. Paul's conversion. So we're talking about an event in the life of St. Paul. So give us a little background on this particular feast and what it means. You're right. You know, we we have feasts of our Lord, like the Transfiguration or uh, his suffering and death, his passion, the Last Supper on Holy Thursday. But this is the only one that I'm aware of where we have a saint and uh, his uh, uh, some an event in his life. And that is a feast for the universal church. I think different communities will celebrate the stigmata of St. Francis of Assisi, the Franciscans do. But um, this is a feast for the whole church. We're celebrating how Saul, who was a persecutor of the church, met Jesus on the road to Damascus and uh, experienced a profound conversion. And I think this was so important in the early church that it became a feast day. And it was part of the the calendar. The reason that it was chosen for the 25th is as the last day of this octave, this eight-day prayer for Christian unity, because St. Paul is uh, a saint that all Christians are uh, very devoted to because of the letters he wrote that appear in the New Testament. And so it was a way of, of showing how we can all come together and, uh, and as Christians and honor St. Paul and thank God for the conversion that he experienced uh, and which led him to become one of the greatest missionaries of all time. Absolutely. You know, I think about this um, prayer for Christian unity and this emphasis in the church over what several decades now that we've had this tradition of this octave of prayer, but the importance, Father James, of of coming together as Christians to unify in prayer. Um, how important is that for us today? Well, it's extremely important. Um, we often think of prayer as a last resort that we work, 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 and then when everything else fails in our efforts, then we turn to prayer. But prayer should be the first thing that we turn to as we address problems and and situations. And I I think part of the the power of prayer that we see in St. Paul's conversion is the fact that he was present when St. Stephen, known as the proto-martyr, the first martyr, whose feast we celebrated on Uh, December 26th, he was present when St. Stephen was being stoned. And so St. Stephen prayed, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Forgive them. And uh, there is an early church author who said the power of that prayer of St. Stephen led to St. Paul's conversion. That St. Paul, who was present, who approved of St. Stephen's martyrdom, who went on to persecute the church, those prayers of St. Stephen ultimately opened, as it were, a channel of grace to enter into St. 
uh, to St. Paul's life, Saul's life, and to lead to his conversion. So I think for all of us uh, to be aware of and, and to put our faith in the power of prayer is, is a lesson that we draw from the conversion of St. Paul. I think many times when we've discussed the lives of the saints, Father James, we see saints around saints that we see, we, we read these stories. And if you read enough, you see the different people that have crossed paths of one another. And one example of holiness leads to another recognition of sin. Uh, here we have St. Stephen. And I didn't think about that, although we read it in sacred scripture, St. Stephen stoning and Saul later to be known as St. Paul. Um, you know, you mentioned the letters of St. Paul, and what do we learn about his, um, that penitential spirit, that awareness that he had of, and he continued to have about his own sinfulness, but yet his zeal for Christ? Uh, that's a great question, Dina Marie, because, you know, we often think that if, if we had such a profound conversion experience like St. Paul, that if the Lord had appeared to us and blinded us, that our lives would be totally different. But what we see in St. Paul is he was totally different in that he went from being a persecutor of Christians to being one who proclaimed the gospel and uh, was a Christian. But we also see that he continued to struggle with temptation and sin. And so that should give us confidence that it's not a one and done deal when it comes to our conversions or turning to the Lord. And we see that in two instances. One is his letter to the Romans. So this is Paul after his conversion. He writes, what I do, I do not understand, for I do not do what I want, but I do what I hate. Now it is not me doing this, but sin that dwells in me. The willing is at hand, but the power to do it is not there. And then he admits his helplessness that he can't rely on his own efforts the way he tried to do as a Pharisee. And he turns to the Lord and he says, miserable one that I am, who will deliver me from this mortal body, from this situation? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we see Paul continuing to struggle. And we also see this in his second letter to the Corinthians chapter 12. It's an interesting chapter because Paul has just described someone who had mystical experiences um, where he heard things in levels of heaven that he was not able to repeat on earth. And Paul makes it very clear that he's talking about himself because he says the following. He says, therefore, because of the abundance of the revelations that I might not become too proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to beat me, to keep me from becoming too proud. Now, we don't know what that was. Was it a moral struggle or a particular physical weakness? But whatever it was, Paul did not like it. And he felt that he would be a much more effective apostle and missionary if he didn't have this weakness. And so he prays three times. He says, three times I begged the Lord about this, that it might leave me. But the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Or power is made perfect in weakness. And that is clearly where we see God's ways are not our ways, because we think of weakness as weakness, power as power. And we would like to uh, be perfect uh, in a sense where we didn't need God's help. What 
the Lord said to Paul was this, Paul, I know you so well that you would slip back into your pharisaical ways and think that it was you doing all these good things. And this weakness brings you to your knees and makes you depend upon me. And so the Lord allows him to continue to struggle with whatever that weakness was, a temptation or a physical weakness, which led him to rely more on God than on himself. It gives us a different approach to looking at our weaknesses, Father James. And earlier we were talking about resolutions. And sometimes we want to clear all those imperfections, but yet it is in the imperfections that we depend upon God and God gave us everything. And so those imperfections are there for some reason for us to mm -hmm. grow. Right. And, and that's where I think we, you know, we have to remember too, that um, the one that St. Paul followed, Jesus Christ himself suffered temptation, was tempted in various ways, but without sin. And so temptation has a role to play in our lives. Uh, part of it is it reminds us, it humbles us, it reminds us we're creatures. But the temptations we experience are also opportunities for us to exercise. I, I think we tend to be a little lazy. We don't like to exercise. So we pray, Lord, make me patient. Uh, take away my impatience. But the, what the Lord does when he answers the prayer, Lord, make me more patient, is he gives us opportunities to exercise the virtue of patience. So whatever temptation we experience, whatever weakness we have, a, we should reflect on it and ask ourselves, what's the virtue the Lord is asking me to grow in so that I can become the person he wants me to be? And the only way I'll grow is, as we've said, through that exercise of the virtue. Absolutely. St. Paul can be our guide for that as well. So I, I love, you know, we started talking about the word of God earlier this month. Uh, just, well, get into that scripture of St. Paul. And I think he'll help guide us with the word of God into our new year. I want to thank you, Father James, for spending some time with us today. Will you help us close with a prayer and a blessing? Lord God, we thank you for the life of St. Paul and especially what we celebrate, his conversion. We pray that as he encountered the Lord, your son, in a very profound way, so our encounters with the Lord, especially through the word and Eucharist, that this may transform our lives so that we may receive the good news and share it in our words and in our deeds. And we ask your blessing to help us do this Father, in the name of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father James. Have a blessed day. Thank you. You too, Dina Marie.